stand, open your books up, open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read the first 22 verses. The chapter itself is longer, but we'll maybe hit those verses as we complete it. Being bold to speak up for God. Acts chapter 4. So in verse 1 of Acts 4. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple. Now this is continuing from chapter 3 of last week. The healing of the lame man and all that happened with that. So this is picking up. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And then they, they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done, done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But, so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak speak no no more in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. So, Lord, we pray and ask now, in Jesus' name, that you give us ears to hear as Sophia was praying. Your word is alive and powerful. Jesus said, you you told us it's not just hearing, but then hearing and doing the things that you put in your word for us. And we're praying specifically the things I prepared. Break them fresh and feed us, Lord. Speak to us. Give us that hearing and responsiveness to your spirit this morning. I pray your anointing over all all of us who are gathered here. That we might receive the word this morning. And Lord, we pray as believers for anyone that's here that doesn't know you, that's not a believer. We are asking for your Holy Spirit to bring that conviction, that drawing that you said you would do of that soul to you, that they might be saved this morning. So Lord, we're giving our hearts to you. We're giving our minds to you. Speak to us. We pray now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. You can be seated. 
So here in responding, in these studies, we're focusing on one chapter a week, and I hope that next week you'll be reading ahead as we, at the end of each service, we're going to take that last song to just recommit ourselves to being in the Word and praying. So we're taking a chapter a week, and I hope that you'll read that chapter several times through the week and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'm going to bring from the chapter my musings, my thoughts, the things that are on my heart, which I'll do this morning in talking about to speak up for God, being bold, that boldness. So we looked at, in this first eight studies through Book of Acts, hearing and responding. So in Acts chapter 1, we looked at waiting with great anticipation. Now, they were waiting in the upper room. Jesus told them to do that with great anticipation about what God was going to do. And we need to have the same, can I hear an amen? The same anticipation. It's the same God who wants to move in our hearts and move through our lives in radical ways by the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, we looked at having Hearing from our wonderful God. We need to hear and respond. The wonderful works of God. All that God has done. We need to continually be washing the word of God over us and remembering we serve a wonderful God. Amen. Third chapter, last week, giving what you have. Now, what we have to give is simply this, a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been given that through grace, by faith. We have this relationship with Jesus, and so silver and gold have I now. But what I have, I want to give to you. In this case, for the layman, it was healing. But our lives should be that voice to people, that, uh, that example that people see there's something different. What's different? It's my relationship with Jesus. I know Jesus. I know God through Jesus. I've been saved from my sin. Now, this morning, we want to talk about being bold to speak up for God. Part of our response as believers, and I want to challenge you this morning as myself to speak up for God. What we have, we cannot but tell what we've seen and heard as we see in this, in this second part to this whole story of the healing of the lame man. So because Jesus was everything to them, they couldn't but speak about him to anyone who would hear and even to those who didn't want to hear. I got to tell you about my Lord. I got to tell you about my relationship with him. So here's the deal. When we are the real deal with God, we will be the real deal for God. When we're the real deal with God, we'll be the real deal for God. So I want to be the real deal, and I know that you do too. We want to be real believers in the way that we live and the things that we're called to do and the commandments that we've been given through Jesus. And some of those are not easy things, but God never commands us to do what he doesn't enable us to do. That's why he said to the, to the disciples, you wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that throughout the book of Acts. So being bold to speak up for God. There are four reasons I see in this chapter for why we need to be bold to speak up for God. And I'll give them to you and then we'll take them one at a time. Number one, the opposition leaves us no option. The opposition leaves us no option. We must speak up for God. Secondly, the resurrection of Jesus really happened. Can you hear an amen? I'm going to keep amening you through this one. The, the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened. Third, the salvation of souls is what's at stake. The salvation of souls is what's at stake. And finally, to wrap it up, God will answer every prayer we ask for boldness to speak up for him. He will answer those prayers for us. He will come and he will back us up every time we are his witnesses to the world around us. So the first one is the opposition leaves us no option. No option. I'm going to dwell a little more here than on the, other, other, the next two, and then the final one will deal, dwell a little bit longer there. The opposition wants to silence the name of Jesus. 
Isn't it interesting, the minute you bring up Jesus, <laughs> literally all hell breaks loose. You can talk about Buddha, all these other, but you start talking about the name of Jesus, and it's a different response. And the opposition wants to silence the name of Jesus Christ and not just any Jesus. So as they're preaching and as they're teaching the name of Jesus, it stirred up a hornet's nest in these very powerful people, the rulers of Israel. They were greatly disturbed. They were angry. Now, it's always interesting to me, this radical miracle took place, and they're mad about it. Just like they were with Jesus. He'd do these wonderful things, and they would get ticked off at him. Why? Because they want the preeminence. They don't want to give it to who deserves it, and that's God. So, who are these, who are these leaders? The priests were the Jewish religious authorities, primarily Sadducees. So they were the naturalists. They didn't believe in the spiritual realm. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in any of these spiritual things. And that's why they were sad, you see. They were very sad people. They were the liberals, the Sadducees. Most of them were on, were part of this religious, the authorities. Then you have the captain of the temple. Now these were responsible for maintaining order. So their responsibility was keep things calm. So obviously they're a little upset right now. They're, hold on a second, we got a job to do. Then you got the rulers, elders, and scribes, which include the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish Supreme Court. These are the, the highest-ranking, powerful people over Israel. You have Annas, who had been the high priest. Caiaphas, now the high priest. You have John and Alexander. It's not known exactly who they are, but they're probably a part of the family of these uh, high priests. So they arrest them. They sit them down, and they threaten them, and they say... You are not to speak, teach, preach about Jesus anymore. You are not to mention his name ever again. You're to be quiet. Silence, please. The irony in this whole story is that they themselves found out they couldn't say anything either because the evidence of the miracle was everyone saw it, so they couldn't even really speak because if they were to speak, they'd have to acknowledge, yes, that really happened. So we can't deny that, and they couldn't deny it. Now, what happens with opposition that can't deny what is really true is they resort then to threatening, and that's what happens. They threaten them, using their power and their authority to threaten them, and, say, and then it says they further threaten them in verse 21. They're saying, you would be quiet, and if you're not quiet, you're going to be in trouble with us. What they said, basically in response is, you know what, if we are, if we don't speak up, we're going to be in trouble with God in a sense. So it doesn't matter. Whatever you think, you judge. But as for us, we have to speak about what we've seen and what we've heard. So they called them and commanded them not to speak. Now, verse 13, notice it says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, what did they do? They threatened. What was, Paul, what was the response? In verse 29, they prayed that they might have all boldness. Good response to threats. Pray. We'll look at that in a moment. Then verse 31, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Throughout this story, boldness is what's being prayed for. Boldness is what's being seen. Miracles that God did that had to be talked about. So this word boldness, I think it's important to understand what it's talking about. And basically, it means to speak plainly. It means to be free to speak unreserved of any utterance. It also means the absence of fear. It means confidence. It means cheerful 
courage. So all these blended together basically means what he's talking about here as far as boldness is what we're speaking. And the majority of the passages that you find in the New Testament, it's all about speaking boldly. So thus, we want to, we want to be those who are being bold to speak up for God as believers. So through the miraculous healing of this lame man, God gave Peter and John an opportunity to speak up for him, and they did not miss it. They took it. They did not miss it by talking all about themselves. They did not miss it by ducking away and leaving it to someone else. They did not miss it by fearing what the opposition would either say to them or do to them. Now, this really ramped up when Saul uh, showed up on the scene with the early church. It says in Acts chapter 7, verse 58, and they cast him out of the city. So they're stoning Stephen. He's going to be the first martyr. They're throwing, they're, they dragged him out of the city. They're stoning him. And the witnesses, it tells us, Acts chapter 7 at the end, the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul, and they stoned Stephen. So Saul comes along, this Pharisee, the Pharisee, zealous for the Jews, but he hated Christians, he hated the gospel, he hated Jesus. He became a tremendous opponent of the early church. In Acts chapter 8, then it goes on to say, Saul was consenting to his death, that is Stephen's. And that, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. As for Saul... He made havoc of the church. The picture is, it's like a ravenous dog ripping apart its prey. He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Verse chapter 9. We'll get this in our studies. Then Saul, still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. So Saul is at it hardcore. Now, in chapter 9, we get this wonderful story of Paul's convert, Saul of Tarsus' conversion to Jesus Christ. As he's on the road to Damascus, Jesus met him there personally, turned him upside, knocked him off his high horse, turned him upside down, inside out, and right side up again, and he was never the same. But at this time, there was tremendous persecution that the early church was experiencing. Now, for us in America, the opposition we face is ramping up. That's for sure. But nothing like this, at least not yet. We've never known that kind of persecution in our country. And I am thankful for that. And I don't think we need to feel like we need to be martyrs. But listen, I believe God has removed his blessing of protection over our nation because we've turned from him. That's why it's ramping up. We can see it all over the place. It's incredible. I've been watching a couple things that are going on in our college campuses now where there's this trying to silence the Christian faith all over the place, and yet opening up all kinds of avenues for every other kind of religious thinking. It's happening, in, but nothing yet like that for us. And so I wrote here for myself, and I hope for you too, to take into consideration. I said, let me be honest and repent of my cowardice when it comes to speaking up for God many times. What's going to happen? Why do I do that? 
When was the last time that I spoke up for God? When was the last time that you spoke up for God? With an opportunity blatant right there. When was the last time you shared the gospel with someone? And if there was an opportunity, why not? What happens with that? We have an adversary. I get that. We have our flesh. We have all these fears. I'm saying, as someone said to me, brother, you got to get past yourself. This has much to do with eternal destiny of people's souls and what's going on in their relationship with God. And we have that message in earthen vessels. We have that treasure in earthen vessels. Now, I know as believers, I'm not having to remind you of that. You know that. I know that. So the challenge for me in this passage and in this story is, am I going to be bold to pray and speak up for God? Am I going to ask God to give me the boldness to go out in spite of threats, in spite of even possible persecution? Because what I have been given by God is a message to the nations, a message for people that they can get right with God. They're not going to spend eternity in hell. So I, my prayer often, even yesterday, I pray, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. God's heart was broken on the cross when that spear went in and Water and blood flow out. That's, that's an indicator of a broken heart. God sent his son into the world because his heart broke over what happened. When he said to Adam in the garden, Adam, where are you? That wasn't a cosmic cop saying, Adam, where are you? That's the heart of a broken father saying, Adam, where are you? Now, he knew where Adam was. Adam didn't. Adam was hiding himself in the, from God. Because of, a, because of the guilt that came because of his disobedience, which is what sin is. It's disobedience to God's authority. And God's going to, see, what God wants Adam to know is, I want you to understand where you're at. Because you need to understand where you're at if you can understand where I'm at. I'm not a cosmic cop. I'm not seeking to send you to hell. What I want to do is provide for you, for your salvation, to be reconciled back to me. To know me and walk with me again, Adam, because that's why I created you. It's the heart of a broken father for his son. And that's the message of the gospel that we bring. So I say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Peter put it this way. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In other words, engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Engage that. How? With meekness and fear. We're not coming with our high-powered doctrine gun. We're coming in meekness as Jesus was meek, saying, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden. I'm meek. I'll give you rest for yourself. That's how we come. And fear. Fear lest we should misrepresent God's heart to people. His heart is a broken heart who loves people and sent his son to die on the cross that he might bring them back into relationship with himself. Now, I'm not talking about defending God as though he needs my defense. I'm not talking about defending God. What I'm talking about is declaring God humbly yet clearly, and he will be my defense. No matter what happens, he will be my defense. Can I hear an amen from all my brothers and sisters? He will be our defense. You see, a silent witness will help no one arbitrate the case for Christ in their minds if they don't hear. A testimony shared is a testimony that's saved in God working in someone's life 
The unsaved mind through a testimony is a powerful thing that we have to offer, is our testimony. Revelation says they overcame him, that is the devil, by, first of all, the blood of the lamb, that's our salvation, and the word of their testimony, that's us giving them our salvation, and they did not love their lives unto death. That's what we look forward to because of our salvation. Can I hear an amen? We have our testimonies, and no, every one of us as a believer has a story. And that story is unique, and that story is real, and that's what God really did in my life. And people cannot deny it, just like this miracle. Our lives, our salvation, the change that happened is a miracle. That's a testimony to the world, even though they'd like to deny it, and they do want to deny it. You have a testimony. You have a story. We can bring that to people and share it, and it's very important that we do. Because that I believe God sort of saves that in their minds. That's why I believe fully that when Stephen was stoned, we just read, Saul of Tarsus comes up, and they're laying their garments at his feet. He sees what's happening. As Stephen is being stoned, what is his testimony? Father, forgive them of their sin. He dies forgiving them of their sin. And I believe when Saul of Tarsus was arrested on the road to Damascus by Jesus, and he said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Those goads, a goad was a sharp instrument that was stuck in the animal to keep him going in the direction. So God gave through Stephen's death a testimony to Saul of Tarsus who hated Christians and he couldn't get it out of his mind. So as he's going about doing what he's doing, he's thinking of Stephen. He's thinking of Stephen. He's thinking of Stephen. Forgive him. How could, how could you ever say that? You're being killed. You're being murdered. You're being stoned. But see, then he has to reflect also on the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus stops him there on his high horse, knocks him off his high horse, turns him upside down, inside out, right, he says, it's hard for you to kick against the goats. The testimony that he saw in the Christians, not just Stephen probably, but many others, he couldn't get away from it. And that's what was in his mind as the Holy Spirit pulls it up and pulls it up again. Saul, what are you going to do about those testimonies? And the fantastic thing is, he became one of the most powerful witnesses that's ever walked the earth for the gospel of Jesus Christ. The man Saul of Tarsus that hated Christian now became an advocate, the greatest, if you will, lawyer for the gospel that we read of in the, in the New Testament. I was blessed this week by an email I got from one of our 17-year-old high school students. As I'm studying, as I'm preparing, on Thursday said, hi, Pastor Kevin, I just wanted to give you a heads up and let you know that I gave out your email to my English teacher. I'm not sure if she will contact you or not, but I wanted to give you a heads up. So I replied, I said, okay, thanks. Is this a referral? Because as a pastor, I get a lot of people asking me to give referrals. So she wrote back, no, it isn't a referral. I basically emailed her to talk about Christianity and witness to her. I felt God convicted me to talk to her and say something and show her that God loves her. So I put your email at the end of my email so that if she wanted to know more about Christianity or had any questions, she could talk to you. Since I am a student, she technically can't talk to me about religion, but I didn't want her to be lost if she wanted to know more. Isn't that fantastic? I got that this week. So I wrote her back and I said, you know, you, you'll be interested to know what I'm going to talk about this weekend. Being bold to speak up for God. See, there are so many resources 
for gaining ground and being equipped to engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many, many resources that we have to, to, to talk to people about our faith. Only the Christian faith answers with fact and reason the biggest questions of life with clear, understandable hope. That's the gospel. That's our Christian faith. Does God exist? Who is God? Who am I? What's the meaning of my life? How can I make sense of this world? I also got excited this week. It's interesting, the providence and timing of the Lord. I got another email about what's, what's called grassroots apologetics for parents. It's called GAP. GAP is a Bible-centered ministry that works with local churches to come alongside and equip parents with an understanding of apologetics. Now, apologetics is a reasoned argument or ability to give a defense. So with being equipped to give a defense, give a reasoned argument, so they can raise their children with a confident faith. And then I wrote here in italics, coming soon to CCS. GAP. Parents. We need to equip our children to understand why we believe what we believe. And it's reasoned faith. We have not followed, as Peter said, cunningly devised fables. We're not making this thing up. God made it. God created it. God did it. So the first reason. Oh, by the way, another thing I heard about. Um, it's, it's Greg Laurie's, it's called Tell Someone. There's a women's group going on right now on Monday afternoons in Maple Valley that are going through Greg Laurie. Many of you know who Pastor Greg is, an evangelist. And he's, he has this whole uh, little series he puts together called Tell Someone. Another class we've done, and if we haven't done any of these equipping classes, it's called Threads, which is another fantastic uh, equipping to understand how to weave the gospel into everyday life. So I, I'm going to... Just ask you, if you need equipping, there's plenty of ways to be equipped. We already have the basics, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Let God equip us to engage the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's first reason for being bold to speak up for God. The opposition leaves no option. Second reason, the resurrection of Jesus really happened. The resurrection, you see, Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose again for a very good reason, and that is to save people from their sin. That's why he came. And it really happened. By the way, shameless plug. Good Friday this year is on, on March 30th. That's Friday night. We're putting together now the program for that night. where We're going to remember what Jesus accomplished for us, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be very, more, very meaningful, as they usually are. And on, on, so on Good Friday, Dan and I and Sophia are working together on a uh, a Something just to give to you, us, to remember what Jesus did on Good Friday. But Sunday, it's April Fool's Day, April 1, is Easter. No fooling. So I want to challenge you again. I want to ask you to prayerfully ask the Lord who it is that you can invite to come to Easter Sunday service. Because people that don't go to church regularly, there's two times they do. Easter and Christmas. So would you take that as a, as a matter of prayer for you? Who do you know that you could say, hey, come to church on, we're going to have three services, about an hour and five minutes or something like that, on Sunday morning to celebrate Easter. We won't have a Saturday night that weekend, but three on Sunday. We're also going to have a baptism. 
So I'm praying there'll be people that come to Easter service, they get saved, and they get baptized. Can I hear an amen? We got the baptism up there, and people are going to come. They're going to give their lives to Christ. And by the way, also, if I could ask you to continue to pray, we're praying to see more and more people come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ right here, right in this room on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings to see them give their lives to Christ. And so as we end this service, I'm going to give you, if you're here, an opportunity you don't know Christ. We're going to give that every service. We're praying. We know as believers that there's a battle that goes on for the souls of people. And the answer to win that battle is the gospel of Jesus Christ and surrendering to God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, who's able to save your soul. You have God on your side. you got no problems. I'm going to give you my newest rap song in a moment. Okay? <laughs> so here's the deal. They were greatly disturbed, verse 2, at because they taught about Jesus and the resurrection. You see, they didn't want to hear about Jesus and the resurrection. They didn't want to hear about Jesus because Jesus had called them out on their hypocrisy, on their spiritual pride. He called them out because they were making light in a sense of God's commandments by teaching their traditions as being more authoritative. And God called them out as sinners. And so, uh, excuse me, Jesus did when he walked on earth. So they didn't like him. He challenged their pride. He challenged, and he sort of uncovered, he exposed their hypocrisy. He said, I tell you to them, I tell you, unless you repent, you will also likewise perish. Now, they look at themselves as being so holy and pious, but in their hearts, they were so corrupt. They were so hypocritical. And Jesus called, so that's why, you know what? We're going to silence this guy right now. And they sought to silence him. Little did they know how loud the amplifier would be turned up after his resurrection. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And his voice echoes down through the years and ages and decades and, and these hundreds of years. His voice echoes through. It's the name of Jesus and his resurrection. You can't deny it. It happened. It's real. Praise the Lord. So Jesus called them out. Just to our third reason, the salvation of souls is at stake. That's the reason we need to speak up for God. Speak up for the gospel. Sinners must hear about Jesus if they are to be saved. They must hear about him. There's no other name given among men under heaven by which we what? Must be saved. Yes, it's a narrow way. There's only one door. It's through Jesus. But if it's narrow and the only way, then that's the way I want to go. The broad road leads to destruction, but there's a narrow way that leads to life. And that door is Jesus. And we say again, thank you, God. He's made it clear. He's made it simple. There's only one door. You don't have to try and figure out what door it is. You don't have to try and figure out what Jesus it is. See, it's not Buddha, Mohammed. It's not a different Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Mormon faith who deny that Jesus is God come in the flesh, who teach that man became, becomes God and that God was once man. That's not the same Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Jehovah's Witness faith who teach that Jesus is the first natural son of Jehovah brought forth and that he is Michael the archangel in human form. Jehovah's Witness also deny that Jesus is God. He's not one with God. And that Jesus was not raised from the dead. It's a different Jesus. God made it very clear. There's one door. 
And people will check out the other doors, and you can check all of them out. But you measure them up against the faith that we, our faith as Christians, the reason, hope that we have, and none of them can hold a candle. In fact, the candles are put out because there is no light there. It's darkness. And that's what we have. There is no other Jesus in all time and space. One is Jesus of Nazareth, verse 18. We must tell them what we have seen and heard about Jesus. And one of the greatest things that we have God's doing is the thing called persuasion. It's persuasion. Paul said in his epistle, I am persuaded. And the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to persuade us in these things, that's why your Bibles are the first book. And follow it up with all these other things. But let the Holy Spirit continue to persuade you because it's through those persuasions that God changes us and gives a deeper conviction, a deeper brokenness, a deeper desire and passion to go out and tell people about this wonderful thing called Christianity, called Jesus Christ, and called salvation. We have the only answer to the biggest question, what happens when I die? It's through the gospel. We must tell them because their eternal destiny is determined by what they do with Jesus. Their very souls hang in the balance. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, Jesus said, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 1 Corinthians, no other foundation can anyone lay but that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ, even as they, Peter is preaching that to them, the cornerstone. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom to be testified. There's one mediator, not two. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Verse 12. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. And one of the most sobering ones in my mind is at the, end, the last book in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Turn us again back to you. Turn us and see the cross again. Remind us of what happened there. Remind us of how you conquered death and sin and hell. Remind us that we have a message. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that we must get out. And so we must tell them. I would encourage you as a, as a helpful is to read chapter Romans chapter 10. He says, what does it, that is the word of God say, that we preach. The word is near you in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. With, he says there, for the heart one believes unto righteousness. You see, the need there is a heart problem. With the heart one believes unto righteousness. I understand in my heart that I'm not righteous with God. There's only one righteousness that he accepts, and that's the perf perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ who died in my place. So with my heart, I come under that conviction I'm not righteous. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness through the gospel. And with the mouth, confession is made 
unto salvation. It's linear. First need, I need to understand I'm not right with God. I need a perfect righteousness. Secondly, then my confession is to him for salvation. And again, after this, in closing our study today, I'm going to give an opportunity to any one of you who might be here that needs to understand. Yes, you, you get it in your heart. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. You're not right with God. You don't know what's going to happen when you die. You don't know, well, when you die, do you know where you're going? Do you know, have you made your reservation in heaven? The only reservation person at the desk is Jesus. And he's the one you have to go through to get your reservation. So if you haven't done that yet, we're praying, we're listening to this message in the Bible, but you must make that choice. You must confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. 2 Corinthians, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, has given us the ministry of reconciliation. We have, we're, as, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We're, we're uh, citizens of heaven in a foreign land, if you will. That's an ambassador. And what we have is a little bit of heaven where we live. That's in the gospel. That's the church. And we're to take that message and preach it as ambassadors. Tell people about our country, this heavenly country. The final reason, the fourth reason here, God answers prayer for boldness. He answers prayer for boldness. Boldness in speaking up for God to people, but also the boldness in speaking up in prayer to God. He wants us to pray as we're focusing on prayer this year. God has welcomed us to his throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He says, not welcome, come boldly. You can come because of Jesus. And in prayer, as we pray about these things, so I'm saying to you as I said to myself, do I not have that boldness? What's the solution? Prayer. Praying. Saying, God, give us, grant us boldness to speak your word. And as we do that, he's going to open up opportunities. We're going to be seeing things, and we're going to maybe sometimes go fearful and shuddering. But as we're praying, it just opens up our eyes. It begins to get, soften our wills, and we sort of get this desire. And, and I tell you, I don't know that I've ever spoken to an unbeliever about Christ and not gone away totally thrilled. Oh, sometimes they're hard conversations. But in so doing, God is in it all the way. He's speaking through me. The great apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus became apostle Paul. When praying, when talking, writing to the Ephesians and talking about spiritual armor. Finally, my brethren, be strong, Lord, and the powers might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He goes, he goes all the armor there speaking about it. Then he ends with this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying for all the saints. And then he says, and for me, that, that I may be given boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul himself is saying, would you pray for me because I have opportunity over the roof. But he said, I need your prayers that I might have boldness to speak as God would have me to speak. That's the apostle Paul. How much more do we need to understand in prayer? Asking you that we have these opportunities and God, if we will pray and ask him, he will buck us up. So I say this, here it is. Pray bold, believe bold, and be bold. That's how I look at prayer. Pray bold, believe bold, be bold. So as I pray, same thing with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. A, B, C, ask up in prayer, believe in the promise, carry on in the power. Now we're going to be pray bold, believe bold, and be bold. 
We're going to say, okay, Lord, if this is what you've called me to do, and I don't think that's a question mark in any of our minds as believers, that we are to speak up for God, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are his voice to a lost and dying world. Pray pray bold, believe bold, and be bold. So in verses 23 through 28, look up to him when there's opposition. And that's what they said, no. And being let go, they went to their own companions, verse 23, and reported all that the priests and chief, chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. Now that word, Lord, means sovereign ruler. In other words, everyone else step aside. That's where they begin, who God is. And their prayers are focused on, you are God. You are Lord. You are sovereign. You and your providence are in control of all things. You see, the believers never dwelt on the opposition. What they did is they saw it as opportunities. We talked about that last week. They looked at the opposition as opportunities that the Lord was giving them. We're all faced with opportunities that are disguised as opposition. They are. Pogo said it this way, gentlemen, we are surrounded by insurmountable opportunities. We are. As believers, they did one thing and one thing only. They raised their voice to God. They didn't raise their voice to the opposition. They didn't begin voicing their objections to them. They did not even begin discussing and analyzing it. I have found in prayer meetings, we have an hour. We could, we could use up an hour that quick talking to each other. I said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to use up this hour talking to God. And so that's, what, that's how they face this opposition. You want to hear my newest rap song? Okay, this is inspired by chapter 4, okay? As there are two uneducated and untrained fishermen that are standing in the midst of these powerful men, and they're preaching Jesus. They're saying, hey, whatever you think, that's fine. You have to deal with it yourself. But as for us, we're going to speak about Jesus. One or two men. Here's my rap song. I'm not going to do rap. I'll just say it, and you can rap it. (laughs) One believer, two believers, three believers, four. Five believers, six believers, seven believers, more. Too many to count for all eternity. But be there just me with just God. We are a majority. I thought that was a pretty good rap song. (laughs) Pray bold, believe bold, be bold. Can I challenge you and your faith in Jesus Christ this morning? As for myself as well. We are called to preach the gospel. We are called and commissioned to go and make disciples. We are called as Christians, filled with the Holy Spirit, to be going out, venturing in things that we would have never even touched did we not know Jesus. So to speak for him despite the opposition, listen, we're never victims. Never victims. No matter what might happen, We are Christians. We are Christians. And the reason I say we're not victims is because Paul said to the Romans, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 again. Yes, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yes, we're going to face tremendous persecution. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. But in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through him who what? Loved us. 
I am persuading neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. I love what Paul says. If I missed anything, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's his exclamation point to seven plus chapters of the gospel. We are counting the sheep for the slaughter. That happens. It's going to happen. So may the Lord help us to pray bold, believe bold, and be bold. Now, as they prayed, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that several times. The power of the Holy Spirit is ours for the asking. So would you please then with me just bow your heads, believers, and pray right now? Because if there's someone here that Jesus wants to save today, we certainly want to make sure that happens. And if you're here and don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, how would you be able to answer that? Well, you're not sure what's going to happen when you die. You're not sure what your eternal destiny is. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You can know that when you die, your life, just a vapor, and you don't know when that's going to end. That's the urgency of the message. That your life lived now will one day end. And through Jesus Christ, God has promised, as you repent, which means you turn from your sinful life, from your sin, and you turn to God. Not just turning from that. Not, it's not morality, a morality switch. It's saying, I need a whole new life. You become a new creation in Christ. It's called being born again. So you need to repent and turn from sin and turn to God. You need to ask God to forgive you of your sin. And then you need to ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. And in so doing, God has promised He will answer that. Those who call the Lord will be saved. And then what will happen is you will be born again by the Spirit of God. Those at the tables will pray for you to be filled with the Spirit of God. And you will leave here a new creation. All things passed away. All things become new. Your account with God has been cleared up. So as we're praying, if that's you, there are three things. Number one, to raise your hand up. Secondly, then to stand up. And then to make your way to one of the tables where they'll pray for you. So as we're praying, take up a minute or so here. If that's you today, I want to ask you just to raise your hand and keep it up so I can acknowledge that you today want to get your life squared away with God. We're going to wait and pray. We're praying for you. You're not right with the Lord and you don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to ask you just to raise your hand. And as you do, I just want to acknowledge you. And then we ask you to stand. Yes, a public confession is really important. Why? Because Jesus said it's important, that's enough. But when you make your confession, when you stand to give your life to Christ, what you're doing is responding in obedience to what you know you need to do. There are a lot of things that will block you from doing that. Fears. Hey, when you stand for Jesus Christ and you make that public confession, you will know what it means to have all the excuses, all the fears washed away because you've been obedient to do what God's called you to do. And you'll be brought into a relationship with him and you will never regret having done that. So again, we're praying. If that's you, just to raise your hand, I want to acknowledge you. And as we're going to close with a, with a final song, as we've been doing, we're going to continue this morning. If after we're done and you need prayer, you can go to the tables, please. We want to, this is the year of prayer, but that's what God said his house is to be. So you have a need or something, any other need, just please make your way to the table, either during the song we're going to sing 
or after the service. They're there for that. So as we're singing this last song, I'm going to ask you just to stand at some point during it. And here are two things this morning. Number one, that you're going to spend some time this week reading your Bible and praying. That would include Acts chapter 5, I hope. And then secondly, in light of what the Lord's been ministering to us this morning, that you're going to look for an opportunity to speak up for God this week. And that as he gives that to you, not forcing it, but just praying, Lord, would you give me? And as that comes out, that you will step through into that opportunity and see what God wants to do. So again, as we sing this song, at some point in it, as you feel led, would you please just stand and we'll close standing and I'll, I'll pray to close this.